throws, pass, caught, Williams, touchdown, Kansas City, jumps on top. Under pressure, going to throw it deep, has his man open down the middle of the field, and he's got it, A.J. Brown, to the end zone, for the touchdown. This is TLC episode 2, welcome back, I'm with DJ and Mike, how are you doing DJ? Doing pretty good man. Hey Mike, what's up? How's it going, fellas? Shout out to Brian Lee. Congratulations, man. Yeah, for real. Congrats, yeah, man. Brian. Mazel tov. You're a dad? Mm-hmm. My God. Hey, wait. Do we have an established, like, pattern? I got married. I took down the Super Bowl. That was, like, you, uh, Arthur, and Mike, right? Like, right after you got married, you won their Super Bowl? Yep. Um, well, Brian Lee got married. He, he didn't win nothing. <laughs> Hyun got married and he didn't win anything. And Hyun had a Hyun had a son. He had a son. And he yeah. didn't get nothing. He didn't get no. So hey, losers gonna lose, winners gonna win. <laughs> well, you know, you know what you need to do, Brian. If you really want to shake the curse, gotta tie the knot, man. So we thought we would go back and you know look at last year. Now, obviously, we're we're just coming off the season. Um, and we're, we haven't started the new season yet. So, uh, as of, as of today, DJ, you are still the reigning champ. Yes, that's right. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It was a long time coming, I believe. Um, a lot of, a lot of hungry, bad years, um, since we started this league. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was all worth it, man. Finally took it down. I mean... You just got lucky, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, come on, guys. We all know that there is such a huge component in any, you know, fantasy season, which is luck. You know, injury luck. Um, you usually need a couple of your guys to really outperform where they were expected to perform. Um, and that's exactly what happened with me last year. So I think... In terms of the overall picture, I did get lucky and I make, I have no regrets about that. You know, I'm happy that I got lucky and uh, in the end, it ended up in a championship. Well, I wouldn't say you got lucky throughout the season, right? But uh, good job picking Lamar Jackson, if anything. And somewhere I think Tavon Austin is shedding a tear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to sacrifice Tavon and his uh, his uh, literally the best college highlight tape I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> I have get no him regrets about that pick. <laughs> I mean, at this point, if you make it to the Super Bowl and your opponent is Brian King, you feel pretty good about your chances of winning the championship. <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, that's a low blow, but. Um, honestly, it was close, you know, uh, I think the championship was decided by maybe less than 10 points last year. I think overall, the biggest contributor to my year was obviously Lamar Jackson. He was uh, amazing. He outscored everyone in our league. Uh, he, he just killed it. Uh, he carried my team. And uh, of course, I did have a couple, you know, big contributors, obviously Michael Thomas, has been uh, amazing with his Hall of Fame trajectory, at least with his career. Uh, he broke the record for receptions last year, which is 
amazing. Cooper Cup had a great year. Even near the end where, you know, they started running a lot more 12 personnel, um, a lot more tight end. Uh, that's where Tyler Higby kind of really ascended at the end of the year. Cooper Cup still pretty much at the end of the year, he gave me four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. So those were probably the biggest contributors. Obviously, Darren Waller and uh, Mark Andrews as well had really good years. Dude, you almost... You almost didn't have Tyreek for the year. Yeah, that was uh that was a crazy you got kind so of so lucky, man. Uh definitely, definitely. Of course with the, you know, all the off the field stuff and even in the year he got injured and he was out for at least a few weeks. That's what I mean. You know, you get lucky sometimes, right? Overall, I did have some injuries, you know, Carryon Johnson got injured. But Austin Eckler, oh, I totally forgot about him. He, you know, kind of came out of nowhere and put together a pretty smash season. Oh, yeah, of course, like Melgo is holding out. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy, you know, how it all kind of uh, plays out that way. Uh, of course, I always said that Austin Eckler was better than Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I know Mingyu always thought I was crazy for, for thinking that, but... Uh, I don't know about that one, Chief. Hey. It's the modern NFL, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you need to catch passes. You need to be a good receiver now. I'm pretty sure Joshua Kelly's already better than Eckler. (laughs) You know, honestly, Eckler, his running ability isn't, you know, maybe slightly above average. He didn't really have great numbers on the ground in between the tackles last year. But, man, you know, he put together quite a resume with his receiving skills last year. So... Uh, I think nowadays you need to have both, you know, you need to have the catching, you need to have the receptions, um, and also the running ability if you really want to be at that top tier. Now, I have two words. Why Eckler did as well as he did last year? Philip Rivers, and he's no longer there. Right. I feel pretty good about Eckler not doing well this year. Uh, I see. I mean, he's definitely due for regression. Um, he sucks. You suck. <laughs> Honestly, he could never play another down of football again, and he's already served his purpose for me, you know? That's and true. I'll always remember That's him true. very fondly for that. Yeah, it's crazy that you kind of made that run last year and you didn't have like a, a dominant running back, but um, Eckler definitely had a great situation last year with Melvin Gordon holding out, so definitely worked out well for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I learned from the best in that sense, right? Like, neither of you guys, when you run your championships, necessarily had that super alpha, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey level running back on your teams, right? Yeah, that's true. I started Chris Polk as my second starting running back on my run, so... (laughs) (laughs) My championship game, Ryan Matthews won me that game. Oh, that's true. I mean, Ryan Matthews had uh, like a couple year run of being pretty fantasy relevant, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it was definitely sneaky fantasy relevant for sure. Until he broke like both clavicles in the same year. <laughs> and his chest basically caved then in. Then it was just downhill <laughs> yeah. from there. I mean, hey, he's the original crop top, so. He served this purpose. <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And you know, with running backs, they're you know, not to be a dick about it, but they're so expendable nowadays in today's NFL. You have one guy, he's relevant for a couple of years, and more likely than not, the team drafts a new new running back 
and then the cycle starts all over, right? So um, that's just the way it goes. And that's what you're trying to capture in these drafts, you know, while you're doing pickups, you're trying to capture that guy who just is given that opportunity, takes advantage of it. And even though maybe it's not, we're not thinking like five years down the line or four years down the line, it's good enough for what you need that year. Yeah, I know you didn't draft like this on purpose over the years, but your team is definitely like a good blueprint for present day. Uh, I don't want to say zero RB, but, you know, not having like a dominant alpha RB for sure, because you filled out all your other slots pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it, my team's strength was definitely the uh, receivers, obviously. Even with that, I still needed a great year out of Mark Andrews, you know, and we can't discount that. We are an IDP league, uh, even though we haven't talked a lot about our IDP settings, but we do start two DL, two linebackers, and two cornerback slash safeties, right? So overall, you know, had solid contributions from everyone, and that's really what it takes, you know, to take it down along with a little bit of luck. So, so you know, when you look back at the 2019 rookie draft, the last year's draft, are there any things that stand out to you in the first round there? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, well, first of all, it's too early to really decide or say that any of these guys are, you know, truly a hit or a bust. There are definitely some who paid immediate dividends. And I'm looking at pretty much all of your picks in the first round, Arthur. Uh, That's right. Yeah. That's uh, fucking Josh right. Jacobs, DK, and AJ all had really amazing rookie years and their values have you know skyrocketed even more yeah i'm good at this shit <laughs> <laughs> i mean you, you can't argue with the results like a hundred percent hit rate last year in the first round basically you started pre-draft in 2019 you were looking at a full rebuild and then you went into that draft you got DK and AJ, your future, you know, WR1s and 2s, and then Josh Jacobs, who just came in right away and had a great year. You know, he did have some injuries. Um, his, uh, I think it was a rib injury he was playing through or something like that, maybe a shoulder. Oh, um, he broke his, he broke his shoulder. His shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah. There was like some, yeah, there was something there. Uh, he played through it. Uh, he did miss a game or two, I believe. Yeah. So he had a fractured shoulder. Like he injured it in week seven. I think he was like, he was tackling or, or blocking someone in the, on the defense. <laughs> it was like varsity blues. Like he went into the locker room, got the shot and then came out and just kept playing. <laughs> and then he finished that game with 124 yards. Yeah, I mean, modern NFL players, man, or just NFL players in general, their pain tolerance is, it's something else. Dude, what does that even mean, a fractured shoulder? Like, what part of the shoulder? Like, the whole <laughs> shoulder? Dude, he, after that fractured shoulder, he put up three games of 100 yards. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, you know, NFL teams are pretty big with all that stuff, so you won't, I don't think we'll ever know how bad it was. Yeah, and man, Nikhil Harry, yeesh. <laughs> Not an ideal rookie season, mm. that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's too early to say, but the man, the hit rates of first round wide receivers who lose a majority of their first season due to injury is 
quite frankly, not great. It's not great, man. Yeah, David Montgomery was after that, and then, oh, Debo Samuel. Yeah, which was probably considered a reach at the time, but now, after this year, obviously, um, definitely arguable that he should have went in that 4-6, to 4-7 to seven range, so turned out fine for Brian. Uh, well, except the... <laughs> He just uh, had a Jones fracture, so I guess not. So never mind. I'm sorry, Brian. Back. <laughs> hey, you never know. He'll he might be back pretty early in the season. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Foot injuries are always very tricky, though. Yeah. No, you know Jones fracture. Hopefully, Debo's first surgery. It sounds like it went well. I don't. You know, we'll have to see. The first surgery is the most important because that's what messed up Trent Taylor last year. He had the first surgery. It didn't take. He had a second surgery, and that's when it got infected out for the season so this is in that fifth metatarsal which is on the pinky side of the foot it's on the proximal part which connects the base of the foot and it's in a very specific location where that joint kind of connects at the very start of the metatarsal so it's a very it's a critical area healing is you know healing can be tough yeah any foot injury supposedly like a fracture bone uh is very tricky to recover from after the surgery like they can't be fully active on that foot for three to four months so it's definitely a tough blow but it sounds like the first surgery went well and that would be a huge thing for Debo that would potentially mean that he could return this season um but uh if if there's any setbacks at all then it's really possible that he gets shut down or comes back right he's definitely gonna start on pup but we'll see. We'll see if he can make it back for the start of the season. If there is a season. If there, come on, this can be a season, man. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, if uh, if someone dies on like an NFL staff, I think that'll that'll definitely change things. So. I just read that like twenty three players from Clemson tested positive for COVID yeah, or something yeah. like that. Uh huh. And there's like a bunch of NFL players and. Dallas Goddard is getting sucker punched in the face and getting knocked out in a random restaurant. Man, fucking assholes! That's crazy. What's going on? Uh, But congratulations, Brian, on your uh, new kid. Um, (laughs) Don't worry about fantasy football this year, bro. That's all right. You're you're already a winner. After Debo went, it was Miles Sanders. Uh, Richard and Doug's team took Miles Sanders. He's been kind of a fast riser this past offseason. He had a great year uh, last year after Jordan Howard went down. He kind of took over that role. He did pretty dang good in the receiving game. Uh, They actually gave him a lot of touches. They also had a lot of injuries, let's be honest, last year. So Boston Scott was his backup last year but this year he they haven't even though they've said they wanted to hire a veteran riding back they haven't yet and so it looks like he might be really given a three down role but Doug Peterson we know he prefers a committee but just based on all the signals and signs that they've done so far Miles Sanders looks like he's gonna actually be you know, maybe a top 10 running back this year. So with that pick, they definitely came up with that. Yeah, I'm still uh, skeptical that uh, he's going to be the bell cow there. I think they're still going to possibly pick somebody up 
just notably, Brandon Brooks did go down with that Achilles injury a few days ago, and he was one of the top-rated guards in the league. Yeah, that might be a little. So I think that should be downgrade. Pretty him. significant factor there, though. But we'll see. Like you said, um, Doug Peters is not known for having a bell cow, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, he definitely would have been uh, my pick for that fourth slot instead of Debo, but a uh, good pick by them for sure. Miles Sanders sucks. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, no, I, I like Miles Sanders. He's good. I mean, you know, the main thing with Josh Jacobs is he doesn't get the freaking passes. So that's one advantage that Miles Sanders has over Josh Jacobs for sure. I like Miles Sanders a lot, but whatever, dude. He sucks. Hawkinson, whatever. Fant, whatever. Oh, look at this. I use Han's first rounder and get DK. And then I use DJ's first rounder to get AJ Brown. Thank you, guys. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, those are two great picks in that eight and nine spot. Hawkinson, he kind of flashed early in the year, and then you know he had some injuries. Fan, fan, actually, I liked his year. He he did pretty good. He showed off his athleticism. His hands were a little suspect, uh, just based on what I saw of him. But that's pretty much all you can really hope for from a rookie tight end. You're not really thinking, you know, they're gonna get. 10 touchdowns and a thousand yards right away dk obviously had a great year he fell into pretty much the ideal situation playing with russell wilson who plays perfectly to dk's strengths you know being that deep threat he really only ran a couple routes and they only asked him to run a couple routes and they didn't really put too much on his plate which is you know it obviously worked for them aj brown was kind of a surprise success last year and the only reason i say that is because well for me he was one of my top rated running uh wide receiver prospects but the whole narrative was he went to tennessee and everyone was like oh it's a run first team it's he's not gonna be relevant right away now we see that sometimes the talent does rise to the top in these situations sometimes they do fall into really great situations and their skill and ability kind of forces the team to give them those targets give them those touches and aj brown was definitely one of those he put down a great rookie season as well yeah i think the six through nine range was pretty set for me with these four players i don't know arthur were you thinking about taking anybody else besides those two guys after hawkinson and fent went off the board no i um i wanted them all through pre-draft knowing i have three first round picks just so grateful i got both of them somehow they both fell to me mike like did you have did you have like any picks in this draft i didn't have a pick until fourth round because i mortgaged my future so Riley Ridley was your first pick. That was my fourth, my my fourth, four point ten. Is that the brother of Calvin Ridley? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he definitely kind of rode the coattails for for Calvin. But uh, hey, Mike, you could have had you could have had Hollywood Brown if you had your pick. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out, but. There, there's a lot of other people I could have had in recent drafts because I traded a lot of players away. So, hey, how the heck did Hollywood land on DJ's team? Oh, right. So, oh, are you talking about that gift? <laughs> well, with the, uh, I ended up getting DeAndre Swift and Raheem Mostert, 
and I traded Marie Mostert for Marquise this past offseason. Basically, I'm banking on the upside, right? You know, he played all year last year with uh, a screw in his foot. And for a guy who depends on his game-breaking speed, you know, he's a 4-2, 4-3, 40 kind of guy, he really had a lot of that sap from him. And so I'm banking on year two, more development on Lamar Jackson's end. Hopefully that foot is completely healthy. Obviously, you know, DK, AJ uh, are kind of the stars of the wide receiver class. And then Debo is up there. But I think Marquise has a good chance. You know, he does a lot of things well. He has that kind of game-breaking quality that you want to look for in your players. And, you know, you can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, I thought it was a terrible trade for Chemin. Definitely a homer trade, it looked like. I don't know how you trade a young 23 or I think it's 22 or 23 year old receiver on an electric offense with like you said game breaking speed for a 28 year old running back that may be in a committee going forward who knows with San Francisco but I know Chemin's a a San Francisco fan but didn't really make a lot of sense for me but hey if he wins the the league next year and backs a Raheem Mostert then I'm wrong I don't see that happening. Yeah, you know? Well played. Nobody's winning a championship on the back of Raheem Mostert. Not even the real life 49ers. That's not going to happen. Mostert is garbage. <laughs> Damn, too soon, bro. Too soon. Dude, yeah, hands down. Hollywood's like, wow, well, good trade for you, man. Congratulations. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. And then uh, after Marquise, Paris Campbell went. Uh, Jedim took him. I think. I get why he went in that first round, but obviously we all know the story, right? Andrew Luck retires. Obviously that just torpedoes that whole offense. Jacoby Brissett was the backup. I think it's obvious that he wasn't the answer, which is why the Colts picked up Phillip Rivers this offseason. And right now we just don't know. You know, Paris Campbell had some injuries last year too, and they never that offense just kind of looked out of whack all year. Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell was the right pick there. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was at the, the right time, pick for there. sure. Uh-huh. He, this was a good pick. Uh, Paris Campbell. I mean, Indianapolis Colts took him with good draft capital, but this is a thing. You know, like this is the same thing this year. This year, everyone is excited about Michael Pittman going to the Colts. And everyone forgets that, oh, they selected a wide receiver the year before that they were so excited about. If you, you know, you talk to the coach speak and all that stuff coming out of training camp, like people, like they were in love with Paris Campbell. And what did he do? Absolutely nothing. Jacoby Brissett is a good quarterback. He is not a bad quarterback. He's a good quarterback. It just didn't pan out. But let's not be so quick to anoint like these next guys, like Pittman, when literally they drafted a nobody the year before that they felt the same kind of enthusiasm. And I'm talking about, I'm, I'm looking at Rager right now too, right? Where it's like, okay, Eagles, great draft situation. But, you know, right after this, I selected J.G. Arcega-Whiteside. And it was like, oh, you know, he's going to go to the Eagles and, you know, it's going to be perfect for Carson Wentz. What a great fit. Dude, nothing. Like when literally the Eagles had nobody else, JJ Arcega Whiteside did absolutely nothing. He sucked, and uh, and yet the Eagles take another wide receiver the next year, and it's like, oh, this guy's the answer. Uh, I mean, maybe these teams kind of suck at drafting wide receivers. It's a possibility. No, I mean with the hit rate on wide receivers nowadays, 
I, I don't think you can make an argument either way that all these teams know 100% what they're doing or what they're looking for in the prospect. Obviously, injuries takes a big part of it as well. And when you, if you get injured early in your career, the history says that you're going to have a hard time catching back up, even if you do have high draft capital. We'll see. JJ Arcega Whiteside, man, that was, uh, yeah, that was a tough pick. But even for him, you can't say for certain is he a complete bust. You know, he might end up becoming a serviceable fantasy player later on. But in terms of like WR1 potential, I think that's probably out the window. And uh, that's that goes for Paris Campbell too. So, and even looking back to last year, it's just been one year. You know, a lot of things can change even in this next upcoming year. And some of the things we're saying even now might sound ridiculous by the end of the year. I think it's pretty damning if uh, Greg Ward is starting over you and the guy <laughs> didn't even play. He, he was the Houston quarterback, right? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. He was the, uh, the undrafted wide receiver who was... I think that's pretty damning. Was, yeah, um, <laughs> getting more yeah. targets, uh-huh. I mean, you know, no one's sorry for Arthur here. He, he hit... He had uh, three first-round picks and 100% for the first round. So I also picked up Madison, Alexander Madison in the fourth round, and uh, Preston Williams in the sixth round. I'm very happy with those two picks, too. Yeah, Madison, a great pick. <laughs> Why is Dalvin Cook holding out right now? What a, what a <laughs> dummy. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Madison was definitely the uh, the handcuff of, of, uh, of that draft. Uh, like you said, you'll, you'll find out what happens with him this year, especially with uh, Dalvin holding out. But yeah, you know, Scary Terry went in the third round. Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, F1. Did you know F1 is his nickname? Why is it F1? Because he's fast? It's a play on like McLaren F1. Oh, but okay, okay. that's not how you spell his name nor how you pronounce <laughs> it. So I don't know. It just sounds cool, F1 versus Scary Terry, which is <laughs> uh, it's probably not as good. Even though as a Rick and Morty fan... I totally agree with Scary Terry, but there were there were a couple good players that were taken last year. Um, you know, even Tony Pollard, even though Zeke is not going anywhere, Tony Pollard's definitely a high value handcuff there. Uh, Deontay Johnson had a pretty good year. A lot of people are pretty high on him going into this year. I took him in the late second round. Uh, Hardman had a pretty good year as well. Uh, Singletary, Darius Slayton kind of came out of nowhere, right? Uh, on that Giants team, but that was kind of due to a lot of bad injury luck, um, as well as, you know, Odell Beckham being traded to uh, the Browns. And so he kind of lucked himself into a lot of targets, but he produced, right? So uh, he's also a guy who I'm interested to see what he can do this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, your picks were pretty good too. Preston Williams, even though he did get injured last year before he got injured, he was doing pretty well. He was almost playing as the de facto number one in uh, Miami last year. Uh, hopefully he'll come back and, you know, it was only after Preston Williams went out that Devontae Parker started showing. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the picks after Preston Williams, I think you could say that you did pretty good for yourself there, Arthur. Well, Mike, despite not having much in the draft, you didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I was still on that end part of my, my run here before Antonio Brown went crazy and Pat Mahomes kind of had that MVP year and 
I kind of rode that uh, towards the end there. And um, I think I still had an injury that year too, but uh, I was excited to see. It was my first time seeing a, a first uh, a QB1 on my, on my team ever. Um, I think the best QB I ever had was Tony Romo. So I was always envious of people like Brian who had like Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of exciting having someone at that position that can play that well. And he might actually be the best one of our league we'll see it's only going into his third year and he won a super bowl already so pretty excited about that but yeah not a not a not a lot of draft picks for me and i don't think any of them have really panned out at all still holding out hope we'll see what happens with uh with uh riley ridley and foster maru <laughs> i think uh, cody thompson is long gone um I don't have very high hopes for Cleveland Farrell there, but you know I'm not really uh I'm not really too sad if you look at rounds five through seven. I don't think there's really that many picks that really panned out there, except for Preston Williams and uh, Tony Pollard there. Man, did you know BK made the playoffs as a wild card with the record of six and seven? <laughs> NFC was just trash. Doug and Richard finished with eleven wins and then second in the division is BK with six wins, only six wins. And that's good enough for a wild card playoff berth. Wow. Yeah, they uh, he definitely snuck in there. Hyun and Mingyu and Jemin, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I feel like none of those guys wanted to make the playoffs last year. Like real, real talk, you know? That's pretty much how Brian made it in, you know? He was the only one that really kind of wanted it, and everyone else were more concerned about uh, improving their draft position. And, I mean, in the end, he snuck in, but he made quite a run. He made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So sometimes that record, that regular season record, doesn't mean as much when you can pick up some guy named Bashad Perriman off the waivers who ends up blowing up like crazy. Yeah, I think realistically that year, it, I, I felt like it was between me, you, and uh, Richard and Doug's team, but Le'Veon decided to sit out that year for me, which was awesome. And then uh, James Conner got injured right before, no, right before or the first week of playoffs. Some were real close, so that kind of torpedoed my season right there. Um, still had hopes for Pat Mahomes to carry me, but it was, it was a little too much of a loss for me there. The BK, he makes it in with six and seven, and then he just goes on a tear. He takes out Mike. He beats him 165 to 158. And then he takes out Doug and Richard, 153 to 146. Yes. And then makes it to the Super Bowl. That is... Yes. Man, that's so impressive. He just dominates in the playoffs. Those two weeks, just knocking out two contenders back-to-back. That's what you get, Doug. We're talking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was definitely... I don't know about you guys, but I was... That that week, I was definitely paying, I feel like, more attention to that matchup over anything else. And uh, it definitely did not disappoint. It was one of the more entertaining matchups of the year, for sure. (laughs) <laughs> me, me and Arthur were in Hawaii during that matchup, so we were definitely paying a lot of attention. And um, yeah, it was—I was, uh, don't want to say it was satisfying to to see, but um, it was it was entertaining at the least. Good job by you, Brian. Wow, DJ, you beat Danny Yoon, one seventy-eight to one thirty-two. Just what a blowout! I'm happy you knocked out Danny Yoon because Danny Yoon knocked me out the week before. 
Orchids of Asia. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great team name. That is a great team name. Dude, I still scored nine, like almost, I almost scored the same points as you, DJ, last year. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but you ran into BK. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, so DJ, of course, congratulations, you beat BK one sixty nine point five to one fifty six. High scoring team. Good job. Yeah, Congrats. I mean, it was uh, overall the last season was pretty consistent. I mean, in terms of my scoring uh, and uh, it, in the end, I again, I was lucky enough to stay relatively healthy and I ended up taking it down. I will say that Brian in the first half of that matchup that day, it really wasn't looking good. And then Lamar and Mark Andrews decided to put up basically two touchdowns uh, in the last minute of that half. And uh, after that, it was pretty much in the bag from there. I mean, still props to you. Juju was pretty useless that, that year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was pretty much useless. He was a zero. And, but I got you know, meaningful contributions from you know, other guys. And that's what it takes, right, in our league. We need to have uh, pretty deep rosters to make runs. Otherwise, one or two injuries, you know, something like that can really derail a season. So we do have some changes for this upcoming year. Uh, first of all, I guess now I'm going to be collecting all the league fees. Everyone paid on time this year. It's awesome. So just remember, starting from next year, if you don't pay, you don't draft. How you guys? Uh, have you guys been playing around with our new um, MFL site? Yes, I have. Um, you know, it's way better in terms of you know maybe not as aesthetically pleasing as some other websites but in terms of you know customizability the options that you have even being able to include like draft picks in your trade proposals you know like something as simple as that uh, i think is a huge upgrade over what we were doing with the cbs website and i believe it's a lot cheaper too right the subscription fee uh, which you know i don't hate obviously and uh i think overall even though it's it's you know pretty simple straightforward it's like a text-based kind of website it has everything you can need uh and it's easy to use which i like yeah i mean i played with it before and it's like you said it's just crazy customizable and um I know it's not open source, but it just kind of feels that way, you know? It just feels mm -hmm. like whatever suggestion that you can think of, this website has just, you know, provided some sort of answer for it. And I don't know if that's from them or if they really just, you know, do keep changing it over and over again, but super simple, like you said. And I've had previous experience. I think I drafted once just for fun on the website. Yeah, I did love it. And that was two or three years ago. So I'm sure it's even better now. Yeah, definitely. And so another big change that we had this year was uh, we shuffled our divisions around, which is something we've done every three years. This year, I believe the new divisions came out to be... So it's me, Arthur, and Danny Yoon, 
in one division. In the AFC South. In the AFC South. And in the AFC North, there's Richard and Doug. And then there's Han and Chemin. Mm-hmm. And in the NFC North, there's you, there's Hyun, and there's Chedim. In the South, there's uh, Mingyu, Brian King, and Brian Lee. Right. Honestly, I think your division, Mike, Arthur, and Danny, the AFC South, is probably the most competitive, you know? I mean, it's competitive between me and Danny Yoon. <laughs> wow. And then there's another team that sucks. Yeah. Wow. Well, Arthur did trade away Julio Jones this past offseason. Oh, so, yeah. Right. So we'll see. I mean, you know, that's, you. that's oh. kind of more of a rebuilding move. Hard to say how it's going to affect this next year. Actually, you know, even in this past offseason, uh, a lot of teams have kind of ascended. So in the AFC North, you know, Richard and Doug's team, they're probably the favorite. Jemin's been making some moves uh, recently. Han got Julio. Han Jones. got Julio. So they're obviously all pretty much going all in to compete in that division. I traded Julio and my fourth rounder this year for a fifth rounder this year and then next year's first and second and then uh, 2022 second and third uh, with Han. It's good value for Julio. I mean Julio is uh, Julio is a monster man like that guy he's like I have no hesitation thinking he's gonna be top five top three wide receiver this year but yeah. I mean, he is he is on the wrong side of 30, right? Yeah. So I think it helps both of our teams. And, you know, that's the main thing, right? When we're doing a trade, I'm not wanting to dick over the other person in the trade, right? Like, if I made, like when we made trades, DJ, it's never about, you know, I'll, I want to win this trade against you. Like, just the fact that we're making the trade, it should be the people that are making the trade versus everyone else. Like we should make both of our teams mutually better, which in turn hurts everybody else in the league. That's ultimately like what a trade is all about. I mean, you know, like I'm not, I don't want to like lose a trade, but um, like I've done many times with like BK when I traded my pick to him and he just traded it immediately for a profit. That that felt pretty bad. Yeah, he's done that to to more than one person. Let me Such tell you. Such an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> an asshole. Yeah. I mean, it's uh. I think that Julio is an interesting case. He, I think he still has at least maybe two, three years of elite production left. Yep. Uh, but you definitely got a good value um, for the trade. I think you did trade him at the right time. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Han is... That was kind of an interesting move. He didn't have a great year last year. I don't know if Julio is going to be the answer you know for him to come back but maybe with Todd Gurley going to Atlanta and maybe recapturing some of that gold that he had back during Han's championship run uh, he it might all come together right I think that uh, overall I do agree with you in terms of the trades most trades that I've made have been in a place where it's a mutual kind of agreement you know, there's no way that you're going to consistently make trades by just thinking, oh, I need to get the best value. I need to win. I need to win this trade. Obviously, you want your 
the player that you get to do good and maybe the player that you give away to not do as good but we're all we're all smart people here right we're not going to give up something that has high value for something that has low value right at least based on our perception uh most of us <laughs> that's why well, yeah that's true that's true and but it comes down to how we each value certain players just based on you know my experience it's always been here's what i think is a good offer like a good value for this player and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't but when i go into a trade i don't think like what's the shittiest you know what's the least i can give up for his best player or something like that you know that will never that rarely ever flies right so oh when you move to leo you definitely got a good haul you know good draft cap uh good draft picks and han he got a good player so you know we'll see hopefully it helps both of your teams i think it immediately helps han's team for sure yeah definitely yeah. and you know um the person that doesn't think like we do in terms of trades is Mike. That's why I can't trade with Mike because Mike just always wants to take me over. <laughs> Absolutely not true. Probably the other way around, if anything. But no, I think uh, the Julio trade was good. He's just mad that I beat him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that one time many years ago. Many, many years ago. And uh, don't forget, I did start that year 0-6. You started that year 0-6? Yeah, man, I started the year 0-6. Oh, my God. Dude, I still remember we were at the Grove, and we were in the store waiting for our wives, and I was 0-6. I think I made some joke, and, and you were just like, yeah, your team fucking sucks. And I was like, yeah, it does. And then I, I won, like, the next seven games after that, after that weekend. Wow. Wow. But, oh, yeah, so to, to piggyback on uh, Julio just a little bit, I think he's. I still think he's definitely going to have a WR1 season this season, um, quite possibly next season as well too. And I think if anything, if, if from all the All Pro, you know, All Star positional players, he definitely has the higher chance for me at least to have a, a good fantasy relevant three to four, maybe even five years. You know, if he can just do like two WR1 seasons and one or two WR2 seasons, you know, it's already a huge win I think for Han. Yeah, and, and and not not even and it's not a, like you said like being even. It's not a huge loss for you. You know, I think you got great value for the. I think this was the last year that you could trade him for that type of value. So I think it worked out great for both both parties. One of the reasons why I pulled the trigger on this at this point too is um, because of some of the rule changes that that just went into place, right? Because now the rookie draft order is not necessarily based on just the regular season record. It's um, for the six teams that don't make the playoffs, the new draft order is now going to be based on the potential points, right? So basically reverse best ball. So it really is basically trying to look at the teams that just sucked, right? And actually reward them with the higher draft order. Uh, instead of just the record, which can be more manipulated. So it, it'll be actually based on potential points scored. So if you have someone on the bench that is like outscoring your starters, like that's going to actually come into play now in the draft orders. Definitely going to be the biggest in terms of changing the whole dynamic of tanking and what it's going to take to get that high draft pick. Uh, I think this is definitely 
I think potential points is definitely the right way to go about it. The worst team definitely will get the number one pick, which is the way it should be. And then we also have a new toilet bowl, which is going to be really interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so at the end of the season, there will be basically two Super Bowls uh, to crown the league champion and then the toilet bowl champion. So the seeding for the toilet bowl is the same as like the playoff rules, right? So it's the same rules. So you're seeded into a, a separate playoff system, the toilet bowl, and um, the teams with the best record that are in the toilet bowl in each conference get the bye just like the regular playoffs, right? And then the two worst teams play in the wild card round for elimination. And so the winners of the wild card round go to the conference round and the losers of the wild card round, those two teams are going to play in that last week where you have three games going on. Uh, and so it's the two losers of the wild card round that will play and whoever loses that is going to pay the league fees. So so if you don't make playoffs, you know, you definitely want to win the toilet bowl. Because if you win the toilet bowl, then you just play that year for free. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's kind of a great deal yeah. you know, for someone who hasn't made the playoffs, but you just happen to win the the toilet bowl for that year and you get a free basically ticket for the season yeah that's that's not bad especially now that the the free asian auction bidding is not based on real money anymore so it's literally free oh for sure yeah that's that's a good point that's a good point yeah so i like it i think it'll be fun i mean i don't yeah i'm probably gonna be in the toilet bowl i, I you know what I'm going to be toilet bowl champion this year. <laughs> that's that's a good goal to aim for. Good luck, man. Good luck. But it is interesting that the toilet bowl champion is getting their league fees paid for, but potentially people who actually make the playoffs, but don't let, for whatever reason, lose in the playoffs, they'll still have to pay their fee, right? So, I mean, for you guys, what would you rather have? Toilet bowl champion or a chance in the playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs. 100%. Right. 100%. 100%. Dude, of course. Yeah, for sure. So I don't think there will be any uh, com complaints either way. You know, we uh, we also actually have a scoring change this year because uh, we have a new scoring statistic, tackles for loss. Tackles for loss. For IDP, yeah, that's going to be two points. Two points. That should be interesting. I think it'll help. I'm, I'm interested to see how it'll kind of affect the values of all the IDP players and how each individual team kind of values how they go about maybe taking advantage of these added points. Uh, so, you know, it should be interesting. I, I think so far, a lot of people, I don't know if it's just me, but with the IDP scoring, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's been part of our league for a long time, but We've never really had a lot of exciting, you know, IDP scores. You know, you, we have we've had like JJ Watt or something like that who puts up those crazy seasons or Darius Leonard, but for the most part across the board the scoring is pretty static. Um you don't really have a lot of people who are bursting through and um realistically they're not gonna have a high chance of winning you a week 
And maybe with this added IDP scoring, we might get a few more of those instances where one of your players um, on your uh, one of your IDP players really propels you to a win. I love the fact that we play IDP and I want IDP to actually matter more. I really like moves like this where we try to tweak the scoring to continue to enhance the way our IDP is scored. But um, especially because with our league, uh, I think with our scoring settings, I sometimes feel like there's a lot to be desired since the more popular leagues nowadays are super flex and two QB, uh, PPR, you know, we're, we're standard scoring with one QB. There's also TE premium as well. And I know realistically, we're probably not going to ever change towards any of those options. So I do feel like, uh, like you said, it's more exciting, especially if we can try and improve the IDP scoring and make that a more important factor because defensive players in real football are just as important as offensive. And being a Bobby Wagner owner, my, my whole, his whole career too, I kind of, I kind of feel the same way. Like you said, I don't think it needs to be huge changes, but just like even slight you know, changes. I'm not sure what I would change just yet to make that more viable, but I feel like, you know, high D-line picks in the real NFL draft should be going somewhere in like the early to mid second instead of, you know, early to mid third, like, like they do in our league. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Happy Father's Day to all oh, the yeah, fathers happy out Father's there. Happy Father's Day to the, to the fathers here, Mike and uh, Arthur, and then Hyun. Hyun. And Doug. Right. Brian. Brian. Is, yeah, might be a... Mingyu. Mingyu. Jedim. Yeah. And Jedim. So Dang, there's a lot of you Father's guys have kids. All you old-ass motherfuckers. <laughs> um, and a lot of you guys didn't start... When, when we started this league, a lot of you guys weren't fathers, but... Uh, you know, a lot has changed and a lot has happened in the past, uh, what, nine, ten years. Hey, we've been playing in this league for a long time. That's dope. Yeah, that's it makes it great. Is this the tenth year? Yeah. yeah. This upcoming Dang, season will be the This should have been year. like a, a special prize year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. That's why we started a podcast, because we're in one decade now. That's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's a celebration of a decade. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Peace.